Today's episode of Starkville is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think NFL tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal. See the view from where you're sitting and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. A wild one in Starkville. The party continues in Starkville. He's a pleasant lad from Starkville. Greetings, and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor at UConn, distinguished former major leaguer Doug Glanville, and Doug, we made it, man. We made it to the finish line, even though it's actually kind of the starting line, right? Another wild season in the rearview mirror. Yeah, we need a statue in Starkville, some sort of statue to go up in, in our center of the city. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what it would be, but we can let the fans vote on that one. <laughs> Who would be in the statue? <laughs> Who or what? It could be what. <laughs> All right, so somebody somebody that we mention, or somebody or something that we mention in this episode. And you know, this is going to be an awesome episode because we get to look back at the season we get to look ahead at the postseason, and Doug, I just hope that your postseason prognosticating goes better than your. Who's going to be in the postseason prognosticating? <laughs> I'm feeling as good. We've mentioned, yeah, the you know, Brewers, one of these the teams Brewers that made it to the postseason. Yeah, yeah the Brewers, a wrench. Like the, you pronounced them. They're dead. You they're pronounced dead. them was, dead. You pronounced bold. them dead, and not just once. Yes. And they, they should be dead. They hit 230 in September. You know, they should be dead, but I give them credit. Craig Council is a mastermind. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you never know. All right. Baseball. Well, you, Baseball you know, happened. You, you, yeah, it did. And you get to redeem yourself because we're going to do some prognosticating on yes. the postseason as we go yep. along. But first, here's a question that I always wanted to ask you because you played so long. What's the first day after the season like? I bet it's a really strange days because for all those months, you're so regimented. You're so scheduled. So what's it like when all of a sudden you wake up, there are no games to play? Well, I can sum it up from my first full season with the Cubs. And I had a, like a convertible apartment. The season ended. And for two straight weeks, I kept waking up in a panic thinking I should go to the ballpark. Because of the day games, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, it's 9.30. Oh, wait a minute, season's over. So it, it's <laughs> like you're in denial because you're, like you said, your whole schedule is in a pocket calendar, your whole life. You know where you are. You're supposed to be here, 3.30 bus. And your body is so conditioned to having a schedule that all of a sudden it's gone. And and then I add on top of that, the 2003 playoffs with the Cubs, I was exhausted because you forget that you've been sitting on every pitch of every game trying to get to the postseason. And then I understood what it's like to be the Yankees or teams that have been there perennially uh, over history. It's it's exhausting to play an extra month. And then when it ends, I like couldn't get off my couch. So 
you know, yeah. on one hand, you're looking forward to certain things that you can do, but on the other hand, you don't know what to do because you've been literally <laughs> on a schedule for the entire year. Yeah. I like I you know, I rampage around America for a month in October. And that day after I get home, that that's like I could literally sleep the entire day because you're yeah. going adrenaline, you know, for, for four weeks. You just oh, yeah. I, I I I always call October National Sleep Deprivation Month. <laughs> right. And you can it's amazing what you can do until you don't have to do it anymore. And then you like it's hard to get up for breakfast. It's just oh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's all got it's all great. It's all awesome, but <laughs> it is exhausting. All right, wh- wh- one more thing. Now, you know, one thing that happens in the last week of every season, we, we got a bunch of goodbyes. Now, we we've already reflected in previous shows on Bruce Bochy, who's retiring as manager of the Giants, uh, on Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas, where historians will always remember, I'm sure, uh that's the place where Doug blew out his hamstring. (laughs) (laughs) But, but Doug, here's one, here's one more for you. (laughs) What about Felix Hernandez? Now, uh, his last game in Seattle was last Thursday and it was awesome. There was just so much emotion in the park. He was the King. He made 418 starts for that team. If he never pitches again, that will be the second most starts in the division play era by a guy who pitched only for one team. Doug, you know who the other one was? Want to guess? Wow. One team. Gosh. No, yeah, give me. Last... All right. Well, you can do it this way. Last 60 years, only two men made at least 400 starts all for one team. Now, besides Felix. That's in the last mm. 60 years. One in the American League, one in the National League, both Hall of Famers. Oof. Wow. Uh, Jim Palmer. I, I can help you. Jim Palmer's one of them. Yep. Wow. That, that's, they just pulled that out of left field there. Uh, National Very League. Good. National League guy. Legendary Ooh. guy. Intimidating well, guy. Oh, Bob Gibson? Bob Gibson's the other. So Pal- <laughs> yeah, so it would be Palmer, Gibson, Felix. What a group, wow. right? Uh, so Doug, I, I know you never got a chance to hit against Felix. Do you have a memory of King Felix? Oh, I mean, absolutely. It, it and it mostly is like being a fan, just a true fan of his. Because when you're watching from that perspective, even as a player, it collides with this idea of having fun. You know, just having fun. And I loved his relationship with Adrian Beltre and just the the banter back and forth, keeping perspective that you're still doing something that you enjoy. You want the fans to be entertained. Uh, you still have a relationship that's friendly and brotherly, even if it's uh, something that you're trying to beat the other guy. Um, you know, and and the way I connected to that story is like, you know, my own brother. Yeah, we were competitive. I tried to beat him in wiffle ball and stratomatic and everything under the sun, but we're still brothers. We still had a love, and it doesn't mean that it took away from my competitive edge. And and so I enjoyed watching that, and then seeing him be celebrated in the way he was, the King's Court, and all the uh, wow. I mean, that is that's what you want as a player, just to have that. And even if you don't have all the championships and the rings. Uh, he had something so special in his relationship in Seattle. So uh, you look at it with, I looked at it as admiration as a player, but also a reminder of enjoying the game and, and really appreciating it every single day. 
Yeah, King Felix loved to play. He loved it. Uh, he loved the whole King's Court. He loved every bit of it. And Felix wants to pitch next year. I'm not sure that's going to happen. So this is it. Felix, we will miss you, man. Uh, meanwhile, though, Doug, time to turn our attention to October. Yeah. So we should get started. Uh, for those of you who are new to Starkville, now that you can find us on the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, <laughs> everywhere podcasts are sold, here is how it works. We divide this podcast up into innings. We start every inning with trivia. Uh, you can find the first four innings pretty much everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. But we also have bonus innings available on the Athletic app and the Athletic website. Plus, a dramatic update on our fabulous stupid baseball bet, which we're still keeping track of. So if you want to keep listening and get a 40% discount on a subscription to The Athletic, just click on the link where you found us in the first place. Everybody got it? Beautiful. Now let's play our game. Doug, here is your first inning question. What's the only team to win the World Series in this decade that did not win 90 games during the regular season? Oof. All right. So 2010s, right? That's what we're talking? 2010 and beyond? 2010 to 2018. Okay. Oh, it's well, Royals or Giants. Royals or Giants. Royals <laughs> or Giants. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, let's say San Francisco Giants. Which year? Oh, I don't know. They were, weren't they wild card when they beat the Royals? Was that what? What year was that? Twenty. Twenty. It was an even 14? year, right? Okay, twenty fourteen. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> All right, twenty fourteen is is the answer. That's exactly right. Um, very good, Doug. They won eighty eight games as that year. They were the second wild card. Beat the Pirates thanks to Mad Bum and took off from there. So now that we've Got the NL postseason teed up. Uh, Doug, I think we should get out our Ouija boards and pick the entire postseason. What could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> Only everything. <laughs> you know, yeah, everything, right? I'm sure you remember this. Uh, back when I was at ESPN, uh, I used to launch the postseason every year by writing a column, and I'd predict what team would win the World Series. And uh, this is for my family. It's not true that I was never right. It's not, okay? <laughs> the 2004 Red Sox, who broke the curse, they come to mind. But let, let's just say I was wrong enough that as soon as that column was posted, like literally minutes later, I'd start getting texts from my friends, my family, my coworkers. They'd all say the same thing. They would, they would type or say the name of the team I picked, and then they would just hit me with one word doomed right? Like <laughs> right, I, the, doomed. <laughs> 20 uh pick i'd like to pick one of these yankee teams i picked oh i know the, the 2012 nationals pick the nationals yeah. so they'd write the nationals doomed, doomed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so all right so now th this would be your chance to give me a hard time about my prognostication you want to do that or you want to just move on? Yeah, we may we may agree on this one, so I got to hear what you have to say first. <laughs> what do you got? All right, let's, okay, let's do the National League first. All right, we'll start there. On the Athletic, a bunch of us have our postseason predictions posted. 
I noticed that you dodged that assignment. So we're going to pin you down. Um, I'll give you my pick. I've got an NLCS of Dodgers Cardinals with the Cardinals upsetting the Dodgers and going to the World Series. Uh, here's my logic. I have been on board that Cardinals bandwagon since spring training. That's a really talented team. Feels like they just got lost in all the talk about the Dodgers and the Braves and then in their own division. It was Cubs, 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 Brewers, Brewers, Brewers. Cardinals won the division. Jack Flaherty, my new favorite pitcher to watch. They had like a 90-game stretch where they played just as well as the Dodgers. I picked them to go to the World Series coming out of spring training. I'm going to stick with that. So, Doug, what about you, my friend? I have to go with the Dodgers. Um you know, I, I think it's, well, they've been dominant all season, which can work against you, but they're so deep. Now, I look at their pitching, you know, number one in ERA. I look at the fact that they keep the ball in the ballpark, so, which is going to be really important in this postseason with home runs everywhere. Uh, they, they know how to minimize damage. They don't really beat themselves. They don't walk hitters. So that's just the pitching side. And they're, and they're a team that can hit the long ball, Cody Bellinger and company. Uh, so I, you know, I like I like their shots of being able to get through, and I think I I think the Braves are going to take the Cardinals actually. So so that will be uh, yeah we'll be in a different <laughs> spot here. <laughs> so. Yeah, very different. So so I mean, you think the Dodgers are going to get to a third straight World Series? You you, you think that yeah. the, this postseason is going to follow a predictable script, and that no. the, the top seeds, the chalk is all going to win, right? You, that's what you think. Uh, that's what I have. It probably won't happen, but uh, it's fun. Right. It's, it's not going to happen. It never happens. Uh, I was honestly tempted to pick the Nationals to upset the Dodgers, but Chris, the Nationals are a wild card team. And one thing I did learn in an effort to not be wrong every year was if you're going to pick a team today that's going to win something in four weeks, you should not pick a team that could be out of the postseason in four hours. <laughs> the first time, right. <laughs> Make, right, makes sense? <laughs> yes, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right, so uh, couldn't pick them. Uh, all right, so we've completely disagreed in the National League. Right. Let's move along to the second inning. Doug, here's your second inning question. Five American League teams have won at least as many World Series as the Yankees have won. Since 2001, that's 18 World Series. Uh, Yankees won one of those 18. Can you name the other American League teams that won as many World Series in that time as the Yankees have? Wow. Um, yeah, well, can. Boston. <laughs> yeah, the Boston yep, Red times. Sox, clearly. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Kansas City Royals. How yes, am I doing? Houston correct. Astros. Yeah. Yep, that's three of them. Okay, we're still in the American League, right? Okay, just, that's, just that's, sure. that's the way we play the game. Oh boy! Two thousand one. Who won in two thousand one? Let's see. All right, wait a minute. It's five American teams won as least as many World Series <laughs> as the Yankees have. Right. This did not happen in two thousand one because two thousand one was the year that uh, Mariano went to the mound in the ninth inning in Arizona and didn't get the last three outs right so wait wait so wait one is uh, least as many world series all right not world series games. American, like, five, we're looking at we're looking for two more american league teams that have won a world series since 2001 come on oh, you yes. can do this all right let's you walk can do through this. 
All right. Well, we, we have no cheating. A, no cheating. No I'm cheating. just looking at the uh, standings. That's all I'm doing. So now, t- yeah. So okay, where am I? All right. So I get. I gave you Houston. <laughs> I gave you. Oh wait, wait, wait! I know the Angels. The Angels. Yeah, that's one. Okay, <laughs> okay. One more to go. Oh my god! I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. Re- let's do the Jeopardy music. We can't spend the whole day. Okay, you tell you me. I'm clocked this. out. I, da, 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 wait, there's a trick question here. Da, 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 da. Who piled on the pile here? Won the World Series. Who am I missing? Boom, boom, boom. Time's up. Put your pencils down. Pencils down. Doug Glanville, have you jotted down an answer? I have not. Who am I missing? The Tigers, did they win? It was, this team was managed by Ozzy Guillen. Oh, the CWS. I was like, skipped right over those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. the White Sox. 2005 White Sox. Five. Yep. I should know that yep. considering I was at, you know, NBC Chicago all year. So you should it, was, know that. it was but too you obvious. did not know that. Yeah. So uh, Missouri right down that Doug failed miserably on this question. And, yeah, I should uh, know that first, actually. You, you, Doug, you're not going to fail on your American League postseason prognosticating, are you? I don't think so. You I feel pretty that, good right? about this one. I'm I'm kind of mainstreaming okay. my pick here, though. Yeah. Uh, before we get to this, I heard a rumor that you would like to review how accurately you predicted the American League Central this year, which was won by the Twins. And I've been beating you up on the Brewers for like three weeks. So go ahead, Doug. Tell us how smart you are. Go ahead. Yep. Well, I was asked the dark horse going into spring training this year. I did pick the Minnesota Twins. So I feel good about that. I feel good about... Uh, Indians Rays, we talked about it last week, and I chose the Rays to prevail. They did. And ironically, the White Sox, I said, would beat the Indians, and they did. So I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful that you don't remember the past where you pronounced a team dead that's still playing. This is true. That part. <laughs> all right. Now that we got that out of the way, if you're so smart, all you have to do is prove it again. Uh, if, if you check out our athletic staff picks – You'll notice something, and this terrified me. Every single one of us (laughs) picked the Astros to win the World Series. Every one of us. And October never does. It never happens. It never works the way you expect. It never does. Like, I I know this because I was wrong so often on those World Series columns that I talked about earlier that I I started, instead of just picking my, my team, I would start surveying GMs and executives, so I get their picks, and that way, at least, if I was wrong, I could blame them. But what happened is, I, you know, I'd send out the texts and the emails, and so I get texts back, I get emails back. Sometimes I get calls from guys who would say, "I only have one favor to ask you: don't pick us, please." <laughs> okay, because <laughs> it always feels like if the more people who think something's going to happen the less chance it will actually happen. Uh, you know this syndrome, right? You know it. Yeah, I like it. It's like karma-ish. Um, yeah. yeah. Murphy's I, Law, maybe. Murphy's Karma, is that a thing? It sounds good. What, it just Whatever people expect to happen in October, the opposite will happen. But I, I think the Astros are going to be the exception. Uh, here, here's why, Doug. They won 107 games. 
Over the last 50 seasons, the only team that won that many games that didn't win the World Series was the 2001 Mariners. Everybody else won. Last year's Red Sox, 98 Yankees, 86 Mets, 75 Big Red Machine, 1970 Earl Weaver Orioles. They all won. Uh, so there's that. Then offense. Their offense is so deep and so dangerous. They have seven players with 300 plate appearances and adjusted park-adjusted OPS plus of 120 or better. There have only been five other teams since 1900 can say that. The last one was the 2017 Astros. What'd they do? They won the World Series. And now we get to the pitching. I mean, we, we can talk about Verlander and Cole and how it makes them built for October, but we're underestimating their staff. Their staff allowed the fewest runs in the league, struck out the most hitters, walked the fewest hitters. Maybe there's somebody who can find a reason not to pick a team like that. <laughs> I am not that somebody. So what's your pick? I mean, just check, 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 endorse ringing bells over here. I mean, it, look, the Astros. <laughs> I mean, it's this hard... Everything you said, and and I would add that they're also the toughest team in baseball to strike out. I mean, they and their and their defense is exemplary. I mean, number one in many yeah. categories there. So they're a team that has no weakness. So I guess the only argument is that they're a team that has no weakness. Something goes wrong. You know, someone falls down the stairs during batting practice or something. But um, they were already this good, and they went and got. Zach Greinke. So, I mean, as a, as a staff. So, um, yeah, it's that's it. Astros, yeah. Dodgers, yeah. 2017 revisited. Yeah. That's my it's, call. I mean, this is, it, it, like you're all chalk all the way. and All chalk. So we, ha we have to pick. I have to make you pick at least one upset. How about this? I had an American League manager tells, tell me that he thinks the Twins will beat the Yankees. And there's all kinds of historical reasons for that because the Twins are 2-13 all-time against the Yankees in postseason games. They've lost 10 in a row. They have never won a game against the Yankees in the history of Minnesota baseball in a game that was not started by Johan Santana. <laughs> but uh, do you think that can happen this year? It can. It can happen. I, that's an upset I can see. I mean, the Twins won 101 games. I mean, <laughs> these guys are good. But... In, we, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The home runs play very well more and more in the postseason. Teams that hit home runs, long balls, they have a lot of success. Well, the Twins are historically that good in the home run department. And so they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Yankees. I know they were 1-2 and all that. But there's yeah. no question that if the Yankees pitching isn't sharp, which, you know, they have some question marks in that rotation. And Severino, you know, is he going to be 100% right and all that? Uh they get a little bit lazy on the pitching side. They're going to give up five home runs a game. Uh, and that's going to be, uh, I think, uh, disastrous for their postseason. So, yeah, that's the upset that I can see happening. Okay, well, stay tuned on that one. We're bound to get one of these right, right? No, we're not. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move along. Third inning. Doug, here's your third inning question. Since Joe Madden took the Cubs job in 2015, only one manager in baseball has won more regular season games than Joe has. Can you name him? Ooh, wow, that's a good question. Um, 
How about Terry Francona? Well, that's a good guess. It wouldn't be a correct guess, but it's a really good guess. Uh, the actual answer is A.J. Hinchin Houston. He's won 481 of them. That's 10 more than Joe Madden. And I ask because, Doug, there are three things that happen every October. One is Halloween. <laughs> Two, we have epic postseason baseball. And you know what the third is? A lot of managers go spinning, go spinning in and out of the revolving door. Uh, so let's review the firings uh, so far as we record this. Joe Madden by the Cubs. Brad Osmus, after just one season by the Angels. That sure seems like a related development. <laughs> right. Andy Green in San Diego. So that's yep. three. Yep. Still awaiting the fate. As we record this, of Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia and Mickey Calloway with the Mets, that's five. Uh, we have Bruce Bochy and Ned Yost retiring in San Francisco and Kansas City. That is seven jobs potentially open. Doug, here's my first question. Of those seven jobs, mm-hmm. how many will be filled by a guy who has managed in the big leagues before? Uh, and if you want, I can give you the recent trend on this. Interested? Yeah, I'd like to hear. Yes. All right, this is, a, this is a great stat from my friend Joel Sherman from the New York Post. Since the end of the 2017 season, there have been 14 managerial changes. That's out of 30 teams, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, only the Tigers and Angels have hired a guy with previous managerial experience in the big leagues. Ron Garden hired by the Tigers. Uh and they lost like a thousand games this year. <laughs> Brad Osmus by the Angels, he got fired after one year. So that's that's the context for this. How many of the jobs that open up this winter will be filled by guys with experience in the big league dugout? And we've got some big names out there. Yeah. I mean, if if it was seven and all seven, I'll say three. I'll say three. Uh, wow! I see. I see I Joe Madden. Jobs. Yeah, Joe Madden finding a job if he certainly wants to. Maybe a Joe Girardi out there, um, you know, or Mike Matheny coming back and who was one of those guys before who didn't have a managerial experience uh, at the highest level. So, yeah, three, three out of seven. You know, forty whatever that is. Four forty four. Is that four forty three? I won't even uh, guess. It's four twenty nine. But four twenty nine. You're going to bat over 400, which is that'd be good like for you. It. I like it. Yeah, um, I, I I like that number. I think that's a really good number. Um, let, let, let's talk about a couple of these jobs specifically. Let's let's talk about Joe Madden first. Uh, Joe was and is really good at his job. We just have a trivia question that documented that, and so so obviously he didn't deserve deserve in air quotes, deserve to get fired. But I, I think by the end of this year, the Cubs felt kind of the way the race felt after 2014. It was, it was time. And, uh, you know, I have some thoughts on that, but you're around that Cubs team regularly. You're a Cubs broadcaster. Tell me what you saw. Do you think it was time for a different manager and a different voice? It was time. And it was time, not because I'm saying that about Joe Madden as much as Theo Epstein in the front office, making sure that this was the last moment. Like, he had to win this year. They talked about last year, 95 wins was a disappointment. They said it over and over again. 
They've declined from their you know goals from the 2016 World Series. They're supposed to be a dynasty and moving on. And keep in mind what happened in the previous offseason. They, they got rid of hitting coaches and pitching coaches and staff and everybody around Joe Madden. 2018, they went and had exit interviews with major players like John Lester to discuss the culture because they wanted to change. So they made all those changes. It started to feel like Joe Madden was a bystander. And, and so when the, the cards fell the way they did, and cards I can use that actually in two ways, the cards and the cardinal, when they fell they did in September, that was that was it. And I don't think Theo Epstein had a, had a choice. He'd backed himself into a corner because Madden was the only domino left to fall. And, and one thing I would add is that in 2014, I interviewed with the Tampa Rays. And you know when they were looking, this is after Madden had left. And a lot of the questions were around culture. They're around culture shifts and change. So I don't think it matters who you are. If you've been around a long time and you're successful, it matters what you do that year, that day even, on that big stage. And if you don't deliver, there's a cavalcade of, of replacements that have either experience or not. The pipeline is very deep now with special assistants who laterally move into the managerial bench and sit there uh, temporarily to hold it for the next guy. So, you know, this is where we are in baseball and Joe Madden's legacy is tremendous. He might have another job, but I don't think, I think Theo Epstein and, and company in Chicago made it so that there was no other choice to make. Yeah. You know, you, you used an interesting expression there uh, saying that Theo had backed himself into a corner. Um, he wanted to back himself in that corner. <laughs> right he, yep. he I, I think everything that he's done and said since the cubs unceremonious ouster from last year's postseason has been to lay the groundwork for what happened this week uh and that was to move on to change and i i you know theo i think is a big fan of change um it can be big change, it can be little change, but he likes annual change. And it was interesting, you, you know, you sent me this quote before we did this show, um, the stuff that he said in his press conference Monday about how they won in 2016 with one of the youngest teams ever to win a World Series and, you know, made a major commitment to that group and to building and supplementing with that group. And, you know, as he looks back on it, he wonders if that was the way to go because, hey, that's not his nature. It's really not. And so, you know, the stability versus change is a really interesting theme that runs through all of these hirings and firings. What's more important, Doug? I mean, you you played in the big leagues for a long time and you played for teams where there was an incredible amount of turmoil. You played for teams that were more stable, which is more important, stability or change, or is it both? It is both. It is both and because the complacency is a, is a concern. And uh, there's no doubt that, you know, think about how Theo Epstein built this team. And I talked to him somewhere in the early days uh, with, around Chris Bryant, and he said he would find these players that were advanced in maturity and able to perform at a high level in 22 years old, 21, 23. That was what he was looking for from a baseball aptitude. And what I think started to happen in the Joe Madner is these guys are supposed to still be great and at their peaks because they, he caught them early. He found these diamonds, and they're actually going the wrong way. 
And, and so that's where change starts to become really important. You stabilize when you have a dynasty and you have teams that are sustaining and going the right way or, you know, at the minimum, a little bit up, but th- they were going the wrong way. So in that case, you know, the UFC is not afraid to make that change. So, I mean, I like knowing, uh, you know, Joe Madden coached with, oh, not just him, but change all the time. Third base, first base, they, they had a mix and match, but that is the way we're playing today. Analytically, a lot of change. Players are a little bit more comfortable, but in the end, you still want to know your job and your role. Yeah, we, we could talk about this for an entire episode. Uh, I do want to talk about one more managerial situation. That's Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia. Now, as we record this, the Phillies have not scheduled a press conference. Uh, you know, almost everyone in town and in baseball has been assuming that Gabe Kapler was not going to survive to manage again in Philadelphia. They haven't announced anything. And so I'm just curious what you would do as someone who's played in Philadelphia, fan of the Phillies, lived in Philly, went to college in Philly, and as you praise the situation because, you know, just as the Cubs in 2015 had a manager that they kind of liked in Rick Renneria, but Joe Madden became available, so they hired him. Uh, it feels like the Phillies are in a similar situation, even if they like Gabe Kapler. Um, Joe Madden is out there. Buck Showalter is out there. Joe Girardi, John Farrell, who was a finalist last time when they hired Gabe. Um, they have guys like Sam Fold, who's in their organization now, is going to be a hot candidate. Um, yeah. Will who played in Philadelphia, he's another one of those names that's bouncing around. Um, what would you do if you were the Phillies? Would you jump at the opportunity to hire one of those big names who has been there and done it in a town that's so demanding? They got to ride out Kapler a little longer. Yeah, I mean, really, it could be a Pat Corrales type of situation. You know, when he got fired, was he in first place? Uh, Because if it's a cultural issue, then the numbers don't matter. So I don't know the details of whether there's cultural questions. I know it's, you know, the analytics and all that. But if you're taking this decision to go that direction, right, the new wave of young, inexperienced managers, so to speak, uh, then philosophically, it's tough to just go 180 and say, let me go get Buck Showalter. Uh, that, that, that starts to bring questions on, well, are you, what's your plan? What's your five-year plan? So I, I see, you know, give it some other time and, and you never know. Like they brought him in for a reason. He was a finalist in the Dodgers. He had a lot of things going, a lot of moxie. And, you know, you want to give him a chance to adjust. And maybe you make changes in the coaching staff around him to kind of signal that there's people waiting in the wings. Sam Fold, the bench coach, whatever you do. Uh, that's how they do it, right? You're surrounded by your replacements if you're a major league manager. Okay. Well, one one more question, then we'll, we'll move on from this. Uh, the overwhelming sentiment in the town is they want somebody else. They want somebody different. And people are blind to the the parts of the job that Gabe Kapler has learned to do well, and mm-hmm. they only see the other stuff. They only hear the stuff he says after games uh, that, that drives them crazy, right? They only see the moves he makes that don't work or the ones that are driven by data that they don't accept or just whatever. But anyway, if you did a poll of the fan base, I'm going to say 80%, 85%, something like that would say, 
it's time to do something else. Hire somebody else. You know Philadelphia in the way those fans think. Mm -hmm. If you're John Middleton, the owner, and every indication is this is his decision, you could bring back this manager and sell it to that fan base? You'd have to if that's your plan. I mean, they yeah, had a plan. Would. You'd have to. And I mean, I, I remember talking to them uh, last year. I taught a class in Philadelphia and, and I had a chance to finish the year at Citizens Bank Park. That's how we closed the semester. And and remember, Kapler in the beginning, it was it was a nightmare, but then he actually started winning ball games. So if you win, then you're good. I mean, Philly wants to win, right? So if you believe this guy can, you can win with him, then you got to stay with it. That that's the thing, well, and that, because that will take care of everything. They could say whatever we don't like the guy, <laughs> but I'm saying you win in Philly, they're like whatever. We don't care. They were good. It's true. So, that, there was a time when that would have been the sentiment about Charlie Manuel too, and look right. how that turned out. But right, look, so, they were 15 games over 500 last year and finished with a losing record. They were 11 mm -hmm. games over 500 this year and finished at 81 and 81. So he has not won. And uh, <laughs> right. the patience so of the far. fan base is, yep. I, thin is not the right word. It's not existent. <laughs> right. All right. Time for this week's listener question, which we love because it allows you, our favorite listeners, to be a part of the podcast. Uh, we'll tell you how you can do that in a moment, but uh, here's the deal. The idea of the question is, you submit a question that uh, Zuri, uh, the evil mayor of Starkville, decides is going to stump me and Doug and then give us a topic that we can kick around. And so it's time, Doug, for this week's question comes via email for a change uh, from loyal listener Mike Higgins. And Doug, here is Mike's question. This year. Four teams lost 100 games or more. Which two franchises have never had a season in which they lost 100 games? Or oh, more? wow. And Doug, Mike, Zuri, yes. I think I know this. You think you know, you know one, of, one of the benefits of having a brain that's filled with the most useless knowledge imaginable <laughs> is I have random factoids like this rattling around my head. So... I think it's the Rockies and Angels. Zuri, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Great job, Doug. Yeah, uh, Angels and the Rockies. Wow. <laughs> Wait. Thank you. Oh, great job, Doug. <laughs> Thank you. Great job, Doug. All yes. Doug did was oh, sit there and Doug, listen Doug, to Doug me. Answer that one great out. audience Ooh. to Jason's right. correct answer. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I had a brain fart. Angels been around since '61, and uh, yeah, uh, never had a hundred loss season. And Rockies been around since '93, and they've done the same. So, both impressive. Yeah, it's, you know. It's very tempting to say the Yankees. Uh, and while they have not lost 100 games in any of the last 107 seasons, they, right. they did do it as recently as 1912. So oh, they're wow. not the correct answer. I had the correct answer. It's about time I had the correct answer. Nice. And Thank you. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this leads us to uh, a topic. Uh, since we had a question about 100 lost teams... I think we should talk about this. We had four teams that lost 100 games. Actually, they all lost 103 or more. We also had four this year that won 100 games. Uh, we had 10 teams that lost at least 90 games and also 10 teams that won at least 90 games. So think about wow. this. Two-thirds of the sport was made up of either really good or really bad teams. And I think that reflects that 
this makes some analytic sense in terms of how you rebuild and what's the most effective way to spend your money. But is it something that the sport needs to discourage uh, just from the standpoint of the product, the competitive product? Um, And one of the ways you could discourage it would be provide incentives to be more competitive. Now, Doug, I wrote something a few weeks ago which I quoted a couple of executives who've actually been through this process, and even they think it's an issue. Uh, here's an idea that I, I'm taking from them, but uh, that I really liked, and that would be change the draft so that the the top 20 picks are the teams that did not make the postseason. But rather than start the draft with the teams that lost the most games, how about we start with the teams that won the most games but did not make the postseason. So you give incentive to teams to try to get there. So in other words, the Tigers wouldn't have the first pick next year. The Indians would have the first pick. They went 93 and didn't get there. Then you'd have the Mets, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Phillies. They'd all be rewarded for trying to win by getting a pick in the top six in the draft. And so the 100 lost teams, those four teams, they wouldn't pick one, two, three, four. They would pick 17, 18, 19, 20. Doug, you like this idea? Yeah, I'm kind of speechless. That's a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. It's great. Um, it is. It's a great idea. I mean, you always want to, you don't want to create incentives to lose, you know, the, and the, all the discussions about tanking and you want to create disincentives and you and, but then on the flip side, you have to incentivize winning. And, uh, you know, and I know we kicked around the halves, right? The first half, having two halves so that, okay, you might be out of it, but you're, you're not going to sort of like throw, you know, throw the white flag up in July. Uh, so, you know, there, I, you know, the game has to be reset. This is something that's reflective of our modern times and how the game is played, the analytics world. The calculus is always working about, okay, well, you know, how do we have, you know, how do we keep this advantage? It's a, it's a very um, odds making game right now. And you want to motivate people to win. So I, I think that's a great idea. I'm sure there's some nuance to it, but yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. there's alternatives, but this is something that I think everybody has to brainstorm about between now and the end of this labor deal. Uh, it's important to figure this out. Um, and I think both sides are going to have to get to a point where they acknowledge that it's important. Uh, the you know, MLB is concerned about dropping attendance, right? Isn't some of the attendance drop due to the fact that as we just showed, there's a lot of games between competitive teams and non-competitive teams. I think it is. Uh, all right, so that was the the question. And next week, that question, that could come from you. All you have to do to be a part of this podcast is submit a trivia question, just like that one. And you can do it via Twitter. You can do it via email. Uh, you'll submit it. Uh, we'll get it wrong. That's what we usually do. Then we rinse, we repeat. And we try again the next week. If you would like to submit it via email, we have an inbox. You would send it to Starkville with an E, Starkville at theathletic.com. Or you can send in those questions via Twitter. You can send them to me at Jason with a Y-S-T. Or you can send them to Doug. Where would they find you, Doug? At Doug Glanville. Just my name connected, D-O-U-G. And another G, L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Right. And then you have to hashtag the question with... Hashtag Starkville QS. That's all it takes. Yep. Now that is going to do it for Starkville, for some of you. But guess what? If you're an athletic subscriber, you can keep listening over at the Athletic app 
or the athletic website. And if you'd like to be an athletic subscriber, and come on, this is a big time of year to be subscribing to The Athletic and read our postseason coverage, go find the link that you clicked on to find this podcast. It will get you 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Great deal. Now, for those of you leaving us, thanks for listening. We will see you next week on Starkville.